Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show. And man, are you in for a treat today? Today, I have a good friend of mine, Peter Nguyen, with me. And we're going to have some great conversation about the importance of and some strategies on how to build an effective network that can help you reach your career goals, as well as overcoming some of those personal challenges and insecurities you may have about who you are and how you speak. And you'll understand what I'm talking to once we get into the show. See, Peter is not only the president of the Federal Asian Pacific American Council, which is a phenomenal organization that spans the entire country. It's just really cool. But he's also a senior leader within the Federal Aviation Administration within the United States federal government. This man has so much value to bring to the table. I can't wait to get started. But before we get started, I do want to say, hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing on these podcasts, please, please, please do two things for me. One, visit us at YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Alex Trumple and, and see all the other content we're sharing. I share a lot of more, um, you'll say bite-sized stuff, things that are like two minutes, five minutes, seven minutes of really great content. So please join us there. But also, I love to hear your feedback on the show. Are you enjoying it? What do you love about it? Who do you share it with? What should I do differently? <laughs> and the best way to communicate that information to me is to find me on linkedin.com. And that's linkedin.com forward slash Alex Trumbull. See, I am super, super easy. To learn more about doing that, take a look into the description of this. You'll see all my contact information as well as the information that you can use if you want to enter to win access to my strategic networking course, which is valued over $479. You can get it for free. Information about that drawing that happens monthly in the description. Now, look, there is nothing else I need to say. But let's sit down, put our seatbelts on, and let's get ready to learn. But no further ado, my friend, Peter Nguyen. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show. This is, this is a good day. This is, I, I'm looking out the window. I'm seeing the sun rising. I got a good friend in front of me. We're going to have a great conversation. This day can't be any better. How is your day, uh, your gate, your day going, Peter? <laughs> oh yes. Hold on. Let me crank up the volume. It's me a great day. Thank you. I was exciting the whole week to uh, participate in this podcast. So thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to this. It sounds like it's going to be a very exciting session. you've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this. (laughs) So, you know, look, I have the honor, the pleasure of knowing you, um, but everyone else who's listening have not met you, likely haven't met you just yet. So can I ask, um, do you mind sharing a little about yourself and what you do at FAPAC? Sure. Okay. Well, I might want to cover a little bit of history too, because uniquely about FAPAC, you know, it is not my full-time job. So my name is Peter Nguyen, of course, I'm currently the national president of FAPAC, Federal Asian Pacific Coalition, and we representing all federal employee department of defense and DC government, more emphasis on the Asian Pacific Islander type of employees. Of course, anyone can join us. You can also be an associate member. You don't have to be an active federal employee, but most of our membership is all active federal employee. 
and of course the large department of defense. So most of us are also a federal employee. So I just happened to work for the Department of Transportation, more specific, the Federal Aviation Administration as a manager and an engineer there. And it's the same with the rest of the FAPAC member, they are all working from different agency, different department, carry different roles, different titles. So I've been around the federal government for over 30 years with FAPACs. I've been on the board level, different uh, roles and responsibility for over 15 something years for the board member. But I've been around with FAPAC. I'm a life member. We have a life membership and we have a, you know, a yearly membership. So, uh, there, so you've brought up two points. So one, your, your federal world and, and two, your, your FAPAC world. And so we're going to go down both those paths today. Um, okay. let's, let's start with FAPAC. Um, so I actually became familiar with them, shoot, maybe five, six years ago. Um, yeah. I was asked to come and speak there. And I've been, I, I got asked to come and speak at that, that conference, annual conference. I think now I've spoken there four times and then, and yeah. they, you always have phenomenal keynote speakers. And again, in addition to my speaker, I, I was in awe with those leaders who you're able to bring to the table, whether they be former astronauts or military leaders or you know, just so many phenomenal individuals. I, can I ask you, again, a simple question. Why is it important to bring in those, those senior leaders? Um, and they're all of Asian descent. Um, so why is it important for people to see those individuals and hear from those types of high quality, high caliber individuals? Great question. So yeah, let me uh, try to tie the linkage between a federal employees, the US government department or agency and you know, how FAPAC come about. So yes, our mission, FAPAC mission is all about leadership and education, diversity inclusion. So basically we like to bring up the people from the lowest GS level up to the SES, to help to promote them to the advancement from the career and the education. And of course, most of us, and we are federal employees, that's why our emphasis on the federal sector. We're not here to support the, the non-federal sector, the commercial sector. That's not about FAPAC. There's, there's several other Asian Pacific or non-profit organizations out there that do that. So there's a different partnership with that. But our strictly is federal government side, just like black and government, very similar, or federal employee woman, very similar. That's our brother and sister, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or image and sage. So with that saying, that's why it's important when we have uh, what you're familiar, we call it National Leadership Training Program, NLTP. We have it once a year. That's our flagship program, always in May, because May is the Asian Pacific Heritage Month. So we always have it in May. We, because of the leadership, you know, promotion and the advancement of that, we like to bring in top leaders of the U.S. government sector. Of course, sometimes we might bring in outstanding, you know, leaders, you know, speaker kind of like you, for instance, to, to help because the pathway or the branding of, hey, this person did something right. They have a tips. They have a, a way to get people move up whether to education or to etiquette or to political savvy or whatever it is. So those kind of leaders that we like to body into our NLTP. So, I mean, the good point you make the recent one, a few months ago in May, we brought in another new astronaut, very popular guy, 
Waji, I mean, he's so hard to get him. He's everywhere, <laughs> but he's upcoming, shining uh, star of, of a new astronaut coming up. And he just have to be an Asian in descent. At the same time, we have a very elite panel of of um, all general, four star general, and they actually we put them together from all over the world. One of them happened to be in Japan, one of them in Europe, and a couple of them in here in the US. So we put together a panel because things are virtual. Yeah. And they are Asian in, in the descent in a way. But that doesn't mean we strictly keep with that. You know, of course, we try to promote that these people make it happen. Just because some of them might not even born here in this country. They are naturalized citizens. Some of them, of course, born in Waisif, but they was able to get up to where they are. So we want to show that they're working for them, so working for the rest of us too. So so you 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 what you just mentioned is they are willing, they're able to to move up from <laughs> You know, to, to say how Drake would say, it started from the bottom, now you're here. Um, right. you know, started from a, a lower position, moved to a higher position, as we all do. Everyone, no one is born, pops out the CEO of something. It's just That's right. right? <laughs> you, you have to move up in, in the ladders. And in preparation for our, our conversation today, I, I, I polled some of my colleagues, um, uh, again, Yes, these people happen to be of Asian descent, but they could be for honestly for anyone. And they had some questions that they would hoping that I could ask you. And I'm hoping that, okay. that you'll that you'll be accepting of these questions. Um, the first is from a, a woman. Uh, she is um, and she's actually Burmese. And okay. one thing that she has been talking about is finding community. Finding community here in the States, she's not necessarily, I mean, she wasn't born here. She's been living here now for, you know, 15, 18 years, something like that. But she also feels like maybe there's, she hadn't felt that community here. Um, and, you know, and her and I were talking about, you know, joining, you know, a group such as FAPAC or many other groups, you know, there was this feeling of, is that, is, is that now secluding myself because I'm joining just an Asian group, but, you know, this not, my quote, you know, they're not Burmese, they're all, they're all Burmese, they're not all Korean. Like, so how, what advice would you have for someone who's trying to find community, but also feeling that, that, that tug of war about going into a group that represents one group and that almost kind of pulling you away from the rest of society? What are your reactions? Yeah, actually, it's kind of you don't want to alienate yourself. I guess maybe another term. Mm, 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 mm. So first, so this, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of organization out there, a lot of good organization out there. Most of them, of course, nonprofit. And whether you at the commercial world or you at the uh, U.S. government world or whichever, you have to find yourself where it belongs to. You know, wherever you work at. So, for instance, in a federal agency, there's a thing called employee resource group. In ERG, and there's many flavors. Every agency have ERG, ERG for the Hispanic, ERG for the Asian, the Black, the disability. You name it, we have them all because that's what it's supposed to be. That's what the laws are: diversity, inclusion, especially with the current administration. Great support of that, and uh, we have leaders that take care of that at the executive level. So, depending on where the, this lady belongs to, you say, "Hey." 
I want to reach out to some network, to some group out there that can help me. In this case, help me say in career, promotion, education, because that's my concentration. There could be other group like hobby or whichever. But we're talking about, you know, advancement in your career and education, better of yourself. So you go out, you can Google it, you can search for this kind of group and you belong to it. Yes, so of course you say, oh, I'm, I'm Asian Pacific. I might not want to join that. Well, that's not necessarily the best way. Of course, we always recommend you join more than one. So for instance, say, like uh, one of our members, she, she a female, she, she, can, she joined the Federal Employee Woman also. And she yeah, half black, yeah, yeah. so she joined Black and Government. She's a yes. member. And she also a FAPAC member because, you know, her parent half of them is Asian Pacific. The advantage of that is that you get the best of everything because not all of us, you know, they have a different mission. They're all about leadership, but their approach might be different. The technique, the speaker, and however you know, they, they put together, and then also focus because they have the same understanding of what are the Asian communities like, or the Black community, and so on. So they more, I call it tailor to support your need. And the other thing, the Asian Pacific, very unique. One of the things about making us different from the other group is one thing a lot of people might not aware of is that we make up of several different countries. They're Chinese, they're American, they're Korean, all that. So guess what? Mm-hmm. In ourselves, it's very hard to even communicate because we have different ethics, different backgrounds, different languages and all that. Well, the Hispanic, you know, common and black is are this one common idea. So this, we have to overcome that within ourselves. So as Burma, for instance, uh, uh, really more you know, unique, of, uh, like even Pacific Islander, they are very small. They got to find themselves. We actually have a very good, strong chapter of the Pacific Islander. That they've never been with paper before. They are in the middle of nowhere. And now they're part of us. So they feel yeah. they shouldn't belonging. So with that, it kind of helps. So when she, or I talked to another Asian Pacific, they went through it because, so for instance, I say, I put, uh, say an executive, the Asian Pacific, you know, that went to the way, like you said before, they didn't bore with it. They had to work through the hardship, work hard to get to where they at. So they experienced that. They experienced what it takes to get to that point. Maybe they immigrant, Maybe they, you know, was one of the back in the Vietnamese people from the boat people back in 75. They know what does it take to get the education here, to step to it, to get to where they are. So they have that sharing. Well, you might not get it from, say, the, uh, the black people because it's different, because that's a different issue. You know, come from a different background, have a different challenges. So yeah. So that's why it's you know you you bond it easier you bond it quicker but but like I mentioned our PayPal membership is actually probably I can say probably only maybe like eighty percent is Asia Pacific the West is all the other denomination so we're pretty diverse we're pretty diverse <laughs> <laughs> that that's so cool it's so cool what you're talking about and again everyone who's, who's not watching this on youtube or wherever you're watching if you're listening you don't see my face like super smiling and agreeing with everything <laughs> that you're saying um but yes like you're, you're speaking to me right now um you know when, I, when i'm speaking on you know especially speci- specifically on topics of mentoring and, and effective mentoring relationships i always tell people about 
um, this this concept I developed, you know, years back when I was younger. This is why it sounds like a kid thing, but I call it Franken mentorship, right? Oh, yeah. Which is not looking for one mentor, but looking for a mentor for every aspect of your life that you want to be exceptional, right? Um, and what you just got finished saying reminded me of that, which is, you know, you don't need to pick one organization and join it, but look at yourself and say, okay, what are all the different facets of my life that I want to improve in? Okay, I'm a woman. Okay, I'm, I'm Native American. Okay, um, I am in accounting. Um, I, you, know, you can look all those different fasting, join groups that are tailored to those fat, those, those facets of your life. It's, I, I love what you were talking about. And the other thing I just want to mention is that you say when we put together the national training program, it's not about the powerful programs that we have, the agenda, the workshop that we have, or the planning. Actually, that's, of course, that's very value added and you get credit for your in-credit learning. But what's more powerful during those events, especially the one coming up, now we finally get back to face-to-face, -face, the networking. What some of the most popular session that we have is that I just say, for instance, the one that I line up for executive women I think they are mixed up in Asia Pacific, black, white. But we just, simple question we ask them, tell us about how you, where you at, how you get to where you at. Or what, if you have to do it again, what would you do different? Or have you regret to become an SES? That's when they open up. That's when they tell them that in the personal story that you're not gonna find anywhere in a book or anything, unless they, you know, write a book about themselves. <laughs> and that's to be, we found that to be the most powerful and popular session because when you ask an individual, say, okay, what do you give up to become an SES as a woman? Well, you know, I give up, spend time with my family, a lot of long hours kind of thing. Well, you're not going to get that from anywhere but them. They've been through it. And then the other thing, maybe you ask them, well, what's some challenge that you face? Well, of course, as a woman, you can imagine in the federal sector as a minority on top of that, you can imagine that. So, you know, the, uh, we call it the bamboo ceiling or the glass ceiling, the discrimination or, or hidden discrimination of a woman at a higher place, for instance, or an Asian person or black person at the executive leader place, those kind of things. They went through it and they have a, I guess I can call a playbook or secret how they get to that point, how they overcome that. So that's very powerful. I, I just want to... <laughs> I just want to put a pin and make an underscore and highlight and circle and everything I can to cause to bring everyone's attention to what you just said. You, you said something that I loved. You said, what did you give up to become an SCS? Um, th there's a quote I, I absolutely love, which is um, every day I give up something of lesser value to gain something of greater value. Um, the reality is, and you know, I hate when people say, oh, I'm going to give 110%, 120%. There is no such thing. There's only 100%. And we are using all of at 100% every single day. Well, you're using all of our minutes, right? And so all of our, we're using our minutes, we're using our energy, we're using our cognitive, emotional energy. So the question then becomes, what are we going to give up? Are we going to have you know, one less hour of sleep? Are we going to one, one less hour of Netflix? Are we, what, what are we going willing to give up to then fill that time with something else of greater? Um, can, can I ask you outright? Um, have what is something that you feel like you've given up in order to reach the level of leadership you have reached? 
yeah. So, so I guess I, I, I tailor it as it may be not something you give up, but maybe it's just a matter of setting your priority. Uh, thinking process. Of course, obviously you mentioned it. <laughs> you don't give up some sleep. There's not enough hour in the day. There's only 24 hours in a day. When you say you give 110%, well, that doesn't add up. If you're going to spend more time in the mm. meetings, for instance, from your work, take care of the employees, or you say in FAPAC, at the board level, you got, you know, take care of the membership, do a lot of stuff going on, put together a national leadership training program that really takes about eight months. So you'll give up something. You'll give maybe some sleep, maybe it's time for some uh, recreation, and maybe even some family time. So, so you may have set priorities. So one of the things that we set in FAPAC, for instance, there's three rules, I mean, three steps that we have. Family first, work second, FAPAC third. We make it simple for every member, for especially wow. the committee chair and co-chair and the board member. Yeah. Follow that order and you can't go wrong. You don't have to explain to Peter why you can't commit on something because if you have a family commitment, that's priority number one. And you get some work meeting, you can make the FAPAC meeting or something, but that's number two. And then what left is FAPAC. But you know, but recreation go to movie, it's not on top three. It's maybe your number four. Or something. <laughs> so that's, that's a commitment I ask for my officer. Yeah. Same thing for the employee, even you know, at work. You know, of course we all have a full-time job. We get paid by in this case by the federal government, but still family first. I was lucky that most of my management team is thinking the same way. Take care of your family first. You see, you can take care of yourself, be healthy, take care of workplace. You know, work shouldn't be the first thing before family. So that's doing some of the interview with the executive. That's what some of the things I learned a lot from them. Of course, as an executive, they definitely have to spend a lot more time. There's sometimes you no know, duty call. Mm-hmm. You might have to put like take the kid to soccer practice or something as a secondary and take care of some very important meetings. So that's what they wish. They wish they had more time, but unfortunately they just don't have enough time. So they, they set priority. This meeting might be more important. So it's just a matter of juggling the priority. There's always priority on every given day, every given hour. So when you have that straight, that will help you. And then you will feel like you, uh, how do you call it, give up stuff because we not give up stuff. It just matter what's more important on that given day. I want one, I 100% agree with you. Um, and I want to challenge you. I, I think, I think some people will, would want to challenge you. If we could hear their voices right now, I'm going to channel the audience through me um, and, and ask, ask that question. Um, it's, it's great to say, it's easy to say family first, then work. But when you're at work, and you have someone breathing down your neck saying, you got to get this done. This needs to be done. This is the priority. I don't care that you need to go pick up your kids from da 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 um, how do you, How do you push back? Do you push back? How do you deal with those situations? Who, yeah. People who don't have managers that su- were supportive like yours. Thank you for tuning in to The Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. 
Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com slash courses slash networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code PODCASTFAMILY on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com slash courses slash networking. And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. Right. So I could, how I want to answer that first is maybe you got to sacrifice something. Like I think you mentioned this before too. There's something you got to give. So whether set priority or sacrifice, you got to decide what you're going to sacrifice. And sometimes maybe you got to draw the line. So when you accept, the role that in this case, I accept the role as a president of FAPAC, I accept the role as a manager of my FAA, manager of a bunch of employees, there's an expectation. Of course, because when you sign up to that, to that little dollar line saying, now nah, I'm a manager, or now nah, I'm the national president, I sorry, you sacrifice, you draw that line that you are, you're gonna have to give up something a little bit. So in this case, for instance, I'm not quite answering you fully the previous question. But I decided to give a little my free time, a little sleep, of course. Yes, most of our FAPAC members, we work late. We work after hours. So we have meeting at 9 o'clock easily, 9 p.m. Yeah. So that means we give up some sleep. We start early in the morning before we start work. So that's some of that sacrifice. But your point is very good when there's, and actually, if, Without COVID, if you actually people go up to work, you know they spend forty hours at work. You actually and then commute time. You actually probably spend more time committed to work related mm-hmm. than spend time at home. Now I, I barely have time. You know five days a week at night, a little bit of time with my kid. Of course, they have to study, they have to eat, and they go to sleep. So I barely see them. Weekend, you only got a couple of days. You actually spend more time at work with your coworkers and your manager. So that's me. That's that's then now you're talking about quality. So one of my Peter preaching, and it's not Peter, is that I always tell my employees is that quality over quantities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what you can produce within the eight hour, then just put in hours kind of thing. So maybe that's one way when my management team say you got a deadline to come up with. Of course, you know, you set expectations, you set, you know. Will stay the deliverable and say, okay, this is what I can do, and this, and that's all I can do. So, no call you push back, but you, when you manage that expectation, that can help you with what you can do because you want to deliver quality, not quantity, to your management. Yes, but then you know, we are for the federal government, most of us, we are white collar worker, we're not 
the blue color will go where you get to put the quantity number down, you know. So that's helped us a lot. We are the professional type of worker. So hopefully that's the answer that, yeah, there's always pushbacks. You just have to know how to manage it. But then ultimately there's going to be a point where there's some job that might not be ideal for you. You just give up too much. You sacrifice too much. Maybe it's time to find a, a job that better suit you with your environment, with your family priority, you know. So it's not all about the money, but it's about what, you know, what's important for you and what makes you happy when you go on the end of the day. You know, again, I, I think I think you're you're absolutely spot on. Um, and then that last point you you made, I mean, I, I kind of call it the ace in the hole. Um, and that this is why I'm always preaching and teaching that we should always be networking. Again, not networking necessarily leave the job, but we should always be actively building relationships and letting people know who who we are, what our skills are, and so on and so forth. So if there ever does come a time where you know what, you know what, this is not the right place for me, you can easily go out to those networks and you have those relationships built already and you can try to make a transition. I, I've met way too many people who who don't do any of that relationship building, none of that reputation building. And then one day they say, okay, I want to leave. Then they got to start the process. Yes. And that is a, it's a long process, you know, like you don't, you don't, you know, you dig your, dig your well before you need the water, right? Before you're thirsty. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, yeah, I just want to mention about networking. If anyone wants to learn anything about this one hour podcast, it's really, I want to, let's talk about networking. That's probably the most powerful thing you can learn. You can accomplish, you can, however you want to get it. No, it's, it's not something where you can buy. It's something that you're going to have to spend a lot of time to develop your, I guess, what you call your own whole networking, whether, of course, these days with social media, with Facebook, with LinkedIn, that kind of help. But that's only from a, a soft perspective networking. Networking means that Alex and Peter, we get to know each other for years. We learn to trust each other. We learn to see what each other's capabilities well, you want to do more than just Alex and Peter, you know, depending on what position we hold. Of course, like you, cannot compare myself with you. You know, 50 people. So one of my things is not me, it's, it's called a many circle kind of thing. Yeah. You represent one circle. Your circle interlaced with another circle. And then so on and so on. Your networking, for instance, right now, because I'm a national president of Faithpack. I've been around Faithpack for years. I do have a lot of people in my role of in them. I do know a lot of people. A lot of people know me. And also, it's not about how many people you know. It doesn't matter how many people Peter's know, but how many mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. knows Peter. Absolutely. When they need something, when they have something, in this game, maybe they say, hey, there's a person who might want to transition to a new position. They remember right away, oh, Peter, he worked for Department of Transportation. He would reach out to me and say, hey, you have to know anything about any opening, any lead, any... So networking is so powerful. The more you know, the better. The more good people you get to know, and you keep that up. And that's the thing too. I mean, you can know hundreds of people, but you don't keep up the relationship. One day you might need a person, and they probably say, "Who are you?" Kind of thing. But how do you do that? How do you keep up relationship? Well, you don't have enough time today to call everyone and say hi every day. By joining group, whether it's nonprofit, social, professional, pay. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. send a belong just like your family you network with your cousin your uncle and nephew you do that every day 
Same thing with your professional life. Same thing with your, say, nonprofit social life. So that's what Faith Access is all about, too. Now, we actually have a picnic coming up tomorrow, first ever in two years. We invite members, all the members to show up. We have about, you know, eight, nine people going to show up at the park. Just to network. My whole thing about it is a networking membership. That's all we call it. It's not about speech or anything. It's just when people get together and get to know each other again. We go ahead and see each other in a couple of years. I invite a couple of high-profile people, a couple of masters in the Brigadier General, some senior executive. They they just like one of us. They just come up, have a little lunch, and get to know each other. And hopefully, you know, between all those hundreds of conversations going on tomorrow, they might, you know, a new person might get to meet another one. And and that's what helps you. Because we are a professional environment in this case. You know, we are looking for one thing, you know, advance our career, advance our education. So that's that's definitely is very important. You know, this podcast, the same thing. I learned a lot from your podcast because, oh, I really want to know these speakers. I, you know, I say, Alex, can you link me to this this guy? And that's how we network, how we get to know more people. Look, look, yes, 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 yes. A thousand times. Yes. Everybody listen to Peter. Yeah, I'm I'm again, this is obviously this is something I I teach the organizations all the time. I'm always speaking on the importance of networking and building those relationships. Um, And again, you're you're absolutely right. And for those individuals out there who who has who have taken the the, the first step in developing those relationships, you know, as Peter talked about, the, the second part of that is maintaining the relationship, right? And that can be hard for a lot of people. And I was gonna give you a bit of advice that I shared during my, my courses, which is, you know, move from motivation to automation. Um, I, I learned a few years ago at one of my really good friends, um, he would just call me out the blue. And I felt so appreciated, like out the blue, he would just call me, hey, Alex, I got five minutes. I want to check on you, make sure you're okay. And and I'm like, man, like this is, it made me feel like like he cared about me, right? How come I just found out um, like last year that that's not a motivation. That's not motivation is feeling, feeling go away, feelings change. That was automation. Anyone who's important to him, he just puts it in his calendar and it pings him to, to reach out to every certain people every so many months. And I'm like, that's smart. Like, <laughs> so I, I love this, this concept of networking that you're talking about. And um, I'll I'll be sure to check my spam mock box. I don't believe I got my invitation um, to your picnic. So I'll check that. <laughs> well, I mean, you make a good point, Alex. Let's take advantage of technology, you know. For instance, these days with your smartphone, you know, it reminded me when someone's birthday coming up because I wouldn't, I mean, you know, you and I, we know so many people now. We just fake back alone. We know hundreds of people. We have a few thousand members, several hundred active members. My community, community chair is in the hundreds. And I deal with them, you know, with my board pretty much every day. I just can't keep up with all those. But technology, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, Twitter and all that, I was able to keep up with it. Oh, John Doe or something, so you just have a birthday or something, you graduate. So I congratulate them. So that's another technology networking. But at least we keep in touch. It's easier now this day than before. But then, like you say, when there's something new, we actually pick up the phone, we talk to them. And uh, I keep saying, I mean, just yesterday, I was participating in a uh, 
um, what you call a fundraising event for our troop, especially the one that come back from Afghanistan. And it's small world. I keep saying, man, we I just have to you know, met someone that wait a minute, you just have directly to another person. We we kind of know each other. We kind of have a connection. I mean, I think the world just gets smaller and smaller, or maybe our circle just get bigger and bigger. So then one thing leads to another. I was able to help a couple of young individuals looking for jobs because we just recently have a career fair. At the same time, we met a couple of people that they said, wait a minute, we have some connection. Let's talk afterward. Let's talk later. So yeah, the power of networking is amazing sometimes. And it's not just about maybe educationally. It can be on anything. That's one of the things I've been advertising or promoting the networking for all my, you know, my friends and colleagues. You say I might need, say, for example, I used to have a mechanic. You know, you say I have something with a car, but I need a trusted mechanic. Mm-hmm. I can just mm-hmm. shoot a quick email to, hey, by the way, Facebook member, you have to know a mechanic. Of course, I'm sure there's somebody knows somebody good mechanic. Yeah. It can, that can be that kind of network. You, if you need something, there will be somebody that you know or your friend that you know that have someone that they know that can connect or hook you up. So, oh, man, I love this topic so much. Uh, and and you, you, you you basically positioned me for that, that second question I got from those, those individuals I polled prior to coming. And I'm going to ask this question It's a very sensitive question. So if you don't want to answer, feel free and we'll, we'll go somewhere else. Um, so this person I spoke to um, is recently to the country and we are talking about their career trajectory and, and wanting to move up but they had there there is something they they felt very self conscious about, and it was their accent. And and I, I you know, obviously you know I can talk to people about you know hey look there's so many other people out there who have been super successful and they they have accents and so on and so forth. But you know what that's coming from someone who who grew up speaking English right. Um, uh, so if if I were to pose that question to you, like if there's someone who was coming to you and saying, hey, Peter, I know I need to be networking, but I just don't feel comfortable. Um, what would you, what would, what would advice would you give them, you know, and, and it, it, did you ever feel yeah. uncomfortable yourself? Go, go on. Yes, actually, excellent, excellent question. This one is actually a very common problem still is to this day. I do have family members in the same similar boat. Because, and, and not just, you know, Peter, it's other people too. People that just recently come over, doesn't matter what nationality, they will have an accent. But even the, for instance, say the Oklahoman mm-hmm. or New Yorker will have an yeah. accent, Louisiana. Southern, yeah, exactly. Southern accent. Because they claim I'm, I have an Oklahoman accent because I come from Oklahoma. Like I'm a cowboy. So, <laughs> so that's a very uh, common issue. And of course, one of the things that we, you know, we're all facing it, you know, one way or another. So, of course, with us don't look like the normal people here, they would probably think that would hinder us. That would say, oh, you from China or something. And it's very hard to understand. Well, first, it's also a part of yourself to learn to, to be better, you know, to uh, language course or something, to speak better and maybe to get out and socially speak to people. The more you talk to people, the more they can help you. You get good people who help you, train you, to correct you, 
on how to say things and the way you say things. So you just take a lot of practice and get out there. But at the same time, you shouldn't be, how do you call it, uh, use it against you in a way. So, you know, one of the things also we, we, we coach our people, you have to be part of your head. It's where you're coming from. If you have an accent, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. You should be part of that. Keep up with it. But at the same time, you should be able to communicate with whomever you need to communicate with. So, of course, this is an English-spoken country. Speak English. Now, speak clearly, articulate, the best you can do it. Now, speak slowly. Sometimes I make you to speak very fast when I'm getting excited. And it's going to take a lot of practice, a lot of talking, you know, just be me, step up to be leadership. That helped me, train me to be better, be out in front, mm. to talk more to people, to be a speaker. Toastmaster is a great club yeah. to join. They will put you out there with no pressure to learn how to speak. And those other kind of club like that you can join, you know. It actually, there was uh, some of my friends and family, I recommend the local public library. They have numerous courses, free courses to teach you to communicate for free for the second you know, language. So those kind of things, you need to improve yourself first. But at the same time, if you have an accent, so be it, you know, be proud of it. Me and my kid, they're born and raised here. They simply got zero accent, but when they try to speak Vietnamese, they have an American accent speaking Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. So it go the other way too. So yeah, different. yeah. So yeah, but you shouldn't, no, people shouldn't think it's a negative thing. But yeah, it's very hard for me to say that because inside of you, you, you it make you feel less self-confidence, of course, because you can't communicate. It can be very frustrating. Yeah, it happened to bear some of my, you know, close family and relative. But you have to learn and overcome and, you know, but you do have to practice and get better yourself. You know, it doesn't come naturally. You just need to practice everything, you, you know, practice, speak more. And we even say, some people say, yeah, watch TV, watch YouTube. I watch a lot, you know, watch some, some TV show you like, learn, just listen to the way the actor, actors speak. That's how you, and maybe that's part of my part, I develop a lot of slang because I'm watching a lot of those. But this is a good start. So, <laughs> we, by the way, we do have professional coaching out there for the language barrier for the people with, with accent, they call, you know, so we do have those. I know in Fairfax, we have a couple of friends that can do that. It's not called an accent reducer, but it's kind of in hand you to speak better. Mm. So, you know, again, I'm so glad that you brought up the point that everyone can deal with this. Again, whether you're from outside the country, whether you're from, you have a Northeast accent, you have a Southern accent. I'm from California initially, and I swore I did not have an accent. But as soon as I left California, people were very quick to come out. (laughs) You got that West Coast accent. The West Coast accent. So I, uh, you know, and again, I, I wanted this also then put a pin in or underscore what you said about the importance of practicing. Um, I, when, even when I was in college, I was, I was known as being a fairly, uh, a pretty good speaker. Um, and I took this, this uh, intro to public speaking course and I thought I was going to, going to fly through it. Right. Um, but there is so much that I learned through that course to give it. I used to talk really fast because if I talk really fast, people see the yeah. energy, and then they're like, Oh, slow down, slow down. And so like, just for everyone, we should always be consistently 
we should always be consistently trying to improve our communication, right? I think honestly, but this, the last thing I'll say on this is I have this thing about movies, right? I think every scary movie and probably almost every movie, um, there would not be a movie if there was more effective communication. Like I, I see so many pieces, so many parts of the movie, I'm like, why did you say it that way? Why didn't you say it this way? Why didn't you send a letter? Right? Um, so we should always be uh, practicing our communication and, and, and trying to become better at it. And so I, I really love that you provide one, provide those resources and two, just, you know, reinforce, reinforce the importance of, of consistently working to get better. Um, look, I, I know that we our time is wrapping up. And I, I, I appreciate so much just being here with you today. I, I wanted to open the floor to you. Um, is there any thoughts, any ideas, concepts, anything you'd like to share about FAPAC um, that you'd like to share with our audience before we go on a wrap up for the day? Uh, yes, so I want to encourage everyone, not just joining FAPAC, you should look out there. So if you work for wherever you work for, I guarantee you there will be a, some kind of employee resource group. They might call it a bit different, but these days they all have it, even a private company. I've been noticed like small company, big, especially big company, you know, Lockheed Martin, Google, Boeing, those kind of things. They do have employee resource support group that you can belong to. Most of the time it's no cost, but it's, they all, these groups have a purpose, whether it might be a hobby, might be simply like how to speak better or how to be a speaker in front of people or maybe some technical like robotic club or something join them you know don't just show up to work eight hours a day sit in your cubicle office and then go home mm -hmm. you are first you're not gonna learn much of it you don't network you don't get to know new people you're just in your surrounding co-worker and then and then you go home and hang out with your family so expand the people you know, your, your networking capability, expand that circle. The more circle, you better, the more powerful, the more you know, advantage you're going to have. You never, know, you never know when you need someone. Not necessarily from a need perspective, but just from the, what's important for you. Most of us, we like to improve our, enhance our career, enhance our education. Now, I want to learn more every day. Like you say, just watching YouTube, you learn a lot more stuff. You talk to someone, you learn something else. I just learned like from Alec, there's, there's this whole podcast with Zoom thing. I wouldn't know if I didn't get a chance to, uh, to meet Alex and to talk to you. So yeah, when you spend your 24 hour, make, make the most of it. You know, of course, spend time with your family, but join something, get to meet new people. Every day you meet, I think one of, someone told me, uh, where somewhere where if you make the point to meet a new person every day, You'd be amazing what what you learn, or maybe once a week. So, well, when you join a club, you're on a group. Like yesterday, I I participate in in an event to help out, you know, to promote, get some get some support for the troop. I get to meet like forty different people. I never some of them it was an ex deputy secretary general, and some of it is a purple star. So I get to meet them, I collect okay. information, and then maybe eventually we share more. So those, yeah. But you show up for a couple of hours event. So yeah. And step out of your comfort zone, you know? Oh, yeah. But so as far as the unique thing about FAPAC, just say you're Asian, like the lady with the, maybe a language barrier, a little bit not too strong English. Well, half the time when you join FAPAC, they might communicate, they might communicate in their native language and then they mix. 
So I might speak to someone in say Vietnamese and then I help them and then we start speaking English. So that's kind of help teaching ourselves. So, you know, if I say something wrong or something, that person can help me say it better. So that's why I encourage, that's why, you know, you find your own specialty group, you feel more comfortable right away because it's not gonna be the language anymore, no more excuse. You're speaking your native language and then you can help each other out. Hey, hey, Peter, you're, you're <laughs> excuse my language, but you're freaking awesome. Um, so I, I, I wanted to say, I'm not, great at math. I'm not a math whiz. So I'm going to do some rudimentary math to say, if you take Peter's advice and you meet one person per week for a year, that is 52 weeks in a year, right? That means it's 52 people. And if, if those 52 people all know at least five people, which we are absolutely sure they all know five people, how much has your network expanded by meeting one new person a week for a year? Like, and we're not about just me. We're talking about actually make a connection. Yes, and yes. you make that connection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this stuff is easier than what people think. You know, again, it's about connection, your, your relationships. Um, I, man, thank you so much for being here with us today, Peter. I greatly appreciate it. I know that everyone listening today is going to appreciate it, and and I'm just I'm asking everyone, as I always do, don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value of what Peter shared today, don't keep it to yourself and say, hey, that person over there should have been here. That's on them. No, you don't be that person. You go and bring this content to them and say, hey, look, I heard this. You need to hear this. This will positively impact your life. Don't let them walk away with it. Grab them. <laughs> Not anything illegal. But <laughs> but yet, again, don't just look back, reach back. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely. Stay moving. See you, Peter. Thank you, Alex. It's been enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. <laughs>